Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. For those of you listening, you know Legal SEO is my thing. I like it so much I built an entire company around it. And I'm guessing that if you're here, you've got more than a passing interest for marketing as well. The industry of Google Ads and optimization is still relatively new. After all, Google Search Engine only launched in 1997. However, over those 24 years, some highly skilled individuals have emerged as market leaders, including today's guest, Steve Ginsberg. Google's constantly making changes and evolving their platform and the features and functionality within there where you can spend and waste a lot of money really quickly if you don't have all your ducks in a row. Today, we meet Steve Ginsberg of Legal Marketing Arm, who shares his expert advice for personal injury attorneys who want to take their Google Ads game to the next level. We discover the real cost of pay-per-click ads, why ABC is the new A-B testing, and how you can hone your strategy to withstand the pivots of the Google algorithm. That's coming up on the Rankings Podcast, the show where founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys share their inspiring stories about what they did to get to the top and what keeps them there. I'm Chris Stryer. Stay with us. Steve Ginsberg began performing digital marketing for law firms back in 2002 when the industry was just getting started. But how did he get in there so early? Was it incredible foresight or just really good luck? The answer is neither. Steve started in search engine marketing because he was working for one of the precursors of the entire field, the good old Yellow Pages. My first job out of college was I was a Yellow Pages rep. So personal injury, and it's always been, you know, one of, if not the most competitive marketplaces, period, let alone for for attorneys. And so, you know, you think of a new phone book uh, coming out. And in those days, unlike Google, where it's obviously an auction and you're literally bidding and paying to be in those top spots for Google ads. In those days, you were basically grandfathered in, right? So the first attorney that had the first uh, double full page ad, you know, they used to call it a double truck. And so when the new phone book, when our phone book came out, we literally had PI firms, they came to our office and guys were willing to pay more than other firms. It was almost like the, the original auction, right? And so we held a lottery, we held an actual lottery with uh, wow. ping pong balls were, you know, were drawn. And that was my first kind of foray into local online marketing for attorneys. And Google didn't launch Google Ads really to the public until uh, the end of 2001, beginning of 2002. But um, so, you know, for a long time, the Yellow Pages was still very viable and it was a big source of, of new leads and cases for law firms. For me, it was just, you know, kind of a natural transition uh, from print to digital. That's unreal. So you you really yeah. saw just the change that was happening when you went from print to, you know, pay-per-click. So you know, I want to highlight a couple of things before, you know, so you're one of the, one of the top 1% of new business revenue at Haibu. And then you jumped over to Reach Local right. and you're the number one consultant of the year out of 1,100 employees. How was that transition? You know, what, what were some of the keys to your success there? 
And then ultimately, why did you strike out on your own for legal marketing arm? I, I was essentially a sales rep, right? I mean, I was on the sales and marketing side. And in those days, they had, you know, there was a separate department. They had software, you know, they had a, they had a system in place for actually managing and executing the campaigns. And, you know, I was, you know, in my 20s and, and reaching out to local businesses and working with them to do their, their search engine marketing. I, because of the fact that I had always worked with attorneys in the Yellow Page days, that was really kind of my niche. And those were the, the businesses that I, you know, seek to partner with when I was at Reach. I think when I left, they were a, you know, maybe a half a billion dollar run rate business. They had grown pretty substantially. And the reason, you know, why I ended up leaving and, and, and going out on, on my own, I, I just think it's really, it's very difficult to scale a digital agency. I, I always say that it's easier in a lot of ways to scale a law firm. Not that it's easy to do that, but it's easier to scale a law firm because in a lot of ways, uh, you know, you can rinse and repeat the same processes, right? If you have the volume, if you have the lead volume, whereas with internet marketing, even if it's a PI firm in, in St. Louis and a PI firm in, in New York um, that go after the same type of cases, you can't just rinse and repeat, you know, the same keyword strategy, the same ad copy, you can't have the same landing pages. Every firm is a little bit different. And so once the company went public and really all of the, you know, the financial data and the gross profit margin and all of that became public and you saw, you know, how much of, an, of, a, of a law firm's budget was really going to Google and Bing or Yahoo versus, versus the company, I knew that there was uh, a much better fit. And I know you can relate to this too. I just think, um, especially with PI and markets where it's so competitive, it's hard to have a big sales company as your marketing partner. And I think, I think attorneys really appreciate the sort of, you know, boutique, agile, uh, nimble companies that can, you know, make changes and adjustments and optimizations quickly that aren't just going to, you know, pass you off to a junior account manager and, and use the same plan of attack as they are with other firms. It just doesn't work that way. And it's too competitive so yeah, I think that that's really what ultimately caused me to want to go out on my own and be able to you know provide high quality leads and cases for attorneys and do it without a lot of the red tape and all the other things that kind of come with some of these massive sales and marketing organizations that just don't always have the law firm's best interest in mind. Yeah, and I what I'm hearing is yeah, it's that moral code and and probably you had in this deeply ingrained in you your willingness and you wanted to compete and be the best at something and when you see someone that's doing average work and there's a lot of churn even though they're successful it kind of the moral code kind of triggers some things there. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I also want to highlight yeah personal injury you know marketing specifically one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on this show is you've been doing pay per click for law firms for what, 15 years? And yeah. we're really going to address some of the things that you've developed in regards to your skill set to be able to generate a better ROI because of that experience. But, um, sure. you know, before we dive into some of the granular details, you know, what are some of the benefits of personal injury law firms using pay-per-click? When you market on Google, you are, you're essentially, you know, you're investing to to line up, if you will, you know, in front of people that are actively looking for your services. And so, you know, I think, you know, you hear the term because SEO obviously takes time and it takes effort. And once you start ranking, you know, the way that you rank your, your law firm clients and it becomes very residual and, and, you know, it can be a massive ROI. I think with pay-per-click, I think a lot of times, you know, you hear, well, you can sort of butt the line in, in some ways, right? And jump to the top of Google you know, there's a lot of moving parts to it, but yeah, I think just generally speaking, you're, 
really since the yellow page days, there's really no other inbound marketing channel that's as direct response as people that are searching. You know, we used to say even in the phone book days, you know, they're searching kind of with their wallets open, right? They're looking to buy. Obviously, you know, PI is contingency based, so they're not coming out of pocket with, you know, with the, with a retainer. But yeah, you're you're basically paying for warm leads. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so powerful in that you know Google's whole revenue model. It's it, they have a lot of intent, uh, hiring intent, versus branding plays, and all those things are great, right? They all power the whole flywheel. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. And I've heard even recently within the last month, I was on a on a call with a client, and they were like, "Well, isn't isn't pay per click kind of just set it up and you're good to go?" And I don't really need a deep expertise here. And I'm like, "Well." Maybe if you're in a, a non-competitive market where you can actually, you know, even if you make some mistakes, still generate that ROI, but you've got to really know your stuff when it comes to personal injury marketing, because I've seen prices anywhere from 300 to $600 a click for auto accident queries, you know? So what are the advantages of working with a, a professional agency, an expert like yourself versus trying to do it in-house yourself? Part of the brilliance of Google in a lot of ways, right? I mean, the reason that they do, you know, what I think last year they did 167 billion or something from just from ad revenue. And one of the reasons so many businesses invest a big portion of their budget onto Google is because Google makes it easy enough for really for anybody to set up an account, to put your credit card on Google, to maybe bid on a few keywords, write a few ads. The fact that it's a self-serve platform, right? I think that encourages a lot of people to test out Google ads. And yeah, you have some firms out there that try and you know run campaigns on their own. I, I so so on one hand, yeah, can, can you potentially run pay-per-click campaigns and manage and optimize them in-house? You know yourself, you certainly can. But but it, it's the firms that I've seen successful doing it in-house usually have a team of folks because there's just there's so many moving parts. I mean, the easy part really is setting up the campaigns, picking a hand. You know, car accident lawyer, for example, auto accident attorney. Obviously, those, you know, sort of bottom of the funnel, low hanging fruit keywords, if you will. The hard part is not setting a high bid on car accident lawyer, but one of the many moving parts with really, you know, getting the most out of your PPC budget is, well, A, you have to avoid bidding wars, right? Because that you're right. Some of the markets where, you know, you get one or two or three guys that are just going to outbid each other and then suddenly, you know, you're paying, you could be paying a couple hundred dollars more just to get a click than you, you know, so... So avoiding bidding wars is a big part of it. But then, you know, testing and managing keywords, testing different match types. I think, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of nuance, but the overall keyword strategy needs to be a lot more comprehensive and blended, we call it. The difficult and challenging part with it is really testing and seeing what works for every single firm in, in, in their markets. But then getting the conversion data and trying to really optimize bids and budget, you know, on you know, not just the keywords that are driving traffic, but the ones that are making the phone ring. And then, you know, you take it a step further, which is probably a separate conversation because not every law firm uses CRM, but looking at the quality of the lead. And, you know, we may be able to, you know, generate leads at a low cost, but are they the type of leads you want? But how much should I spend is the biggest question most personal injury attorneys have when it comes to both ads and lead conversion. Most people don't have an unlimited budget, so I wanted to know what Steve would do to get the maximum bang out of the proverbial buck. We were just looking, in fact, at some campaigns of last week of, of, a, of a client and partner of yours, 
And they were taking the approach of bidding really, really low, but, but and that's kind of what we call bottom fishing because it, on one hand, it's good. You know, you want to obviously try and maximize the budget and get as many leads as you can for the budget. But I think one of the tricky things with PI, and this is where the bid management really comes into play, is if you're bidding too low for personal injury searches, right, and your ad is too far down the page, like if you're below the fold and you're not in those top spots, oftentimes you're going to get people that by the time they get to your website or landing page, they may have already reached out to two or three or four or five other attorneys who told them, and, you know, you don't have a case. And so there's a fine line between bidding low enough to be able to maximize your CPL and CPA and bidding aggressively enough on the right keyword variations, of course, to generate, you know, sometimes it's worth paying a little bit more per click or per lead if it's going to be a higher quality case and you can convert those. So there's, and then it all, and then the other side of the argument really is how's your conversion rate on your website or your landing pages? Are you AB test, you know, are you doing what you can to maximize that traffic? It's not just about keyword and bid management and getting the right traffic at the right cost. It's about converting those, those visitors and, and there's, you know, a whole host of other things that go into it, but that would be, yeah, I guess that would be my response to can attorneys try and manage pay-per-click in-house? They certainly can, but it's really challenging. And, you know, we always say Google, our, our first employee has been with me about 10 years. Um, he always says Google will eat your wallet if you're not very, very careful. And it's true, especially with the way you have Google's constantly making changes and, and evolving their platform and the features and functionality within there in there where if you're not really, really meticulous and careful and if you're not constantly, you know, it, you know, split testing and trying to keep up with Google, then, yeah, then, then you can spend and waste a lot of money really quickly if you don't have all your ducks in a row for sure. Yeah, let's jump right in. You really took it high level right at the beginning. And I love it because I, I know many of our users uh, listening are, you know, they're they're top attorneys they're you know elite personal injury attorneys and it's they've been in the game they've they've experimented with pay-per-click maybe they haven't found the right agency or the right person but it's definitely a good channel if you work with the right partner and there's a few things that you mentioned as it specifically relates to the optimization of campaign the ad copy right so you got to have some copywriting skills the landing pages so you got to have a designer dev with some creative components you got to have good ux uh, so you got to have a cro type person then you got to have daily management because if you just set a bid, you get in these auction wars, these auction battles, and you can overpay. So there has to be daily management there. And there's all kinds of management. Let's talk specifically about the conversion side of things. Let's, let's just jump right into high level. What makes a good landing page for pay-per-click? Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot of elements of a page which have been proven to convert. And, and I think, let me say this, I think um, design is typically subjective, right? You may like one thing, I may like another, you know, the way something else looks. But with landing page design and with web development and UX, user experience, there's data, right? There's statistics, there's been A-B testing now for many years to where there's proven, you know, empirical evidence that shows certain elements of a website or a landing page or a mobile site have been proven to convert. So it's less is often more with personal injury on, on the landing page side. I think obviously on the SEO side, you need more content, you need to build more links, you need to be the subject matter expert and the authority on personal injury. But with pay-per-click, I think, you know, because you're paying to drive that visitor there. And I think also because with personal injury, because it's contingency based and they're not asking for money up front, I think that allows for personal injury firms to have more of the less is more approach to where 
You don't need, you know, navigation and menu bars to to 100 other pages on your site. If somebody's, you know, Googling, you know, looking for a slip and fall attorney, you obviously want to drive them to a page on the attorney's site that speaks to slip and fall. But less content is more because the goal is to get them to call, right? The goal is to get them to convert, to call, to fill out a form, uh, to to live chat if, if you're using live chat. So, yeah, and Steve, I really wanted to jump in there real quick, yeah, yeah. and I didn't want to break your stride here. No, no. But sorry. so I just wanted to highlight that for our audience. So yeah. the the optimization techniques for pay per click are directly contradictory to SEO. SEO, you want long form content, you want these really robust pages that answers tons of questions internally links to all these pages, you know, right. to get Google to crawl the page and to rank it for multiple keywords click you literally want a contact form you know if you can get them just to go to the contact form and you have maybe just a little bit of copy to entice them to go through i mean that's the difference so a lot of times they're like well our audience listening should i just do pay-per-click and drive it to my seo landing pages the answer is empirically no you should not because the strategies of how you would optimize the landing page for seo are completely different pay-per-click i just want to jump in there because i get that question a lot No, I'm sure you do. Yeah, 100%. It's quite the opposite in a lot of ways. So yeah, so less is more trying to drive that call to action. You know, we always shoot for the phone call first. We try and push the phone call the most. Um, You know, if we had to rank them, I would say phone call, then live chat, then, you know, web form submission. Not that there can't be really quality, you know, form leads, but usually if, um, you know, you get somebody on the phone, you know, they have a higher likelihood of, of, you know, being a potential client. So yeah, a lot of it's just focusing on the call to action. I think the messaging and I hate to keep going back to the yellow page days, but frankly, if you think about a yellow page ad, right, a rectangular ad or a double ad, those are really the first landing pages, right? And, you know, you have your headline, your subheadline, you know, your social proof, which, you know, whether it's case results, testimonials, your accreditations and awards, things like that are super important. And usually with web marketing, and I think specifically with mobile, because mobile people, you know, three-fourths to four-fifths, 70, 80%-ish of all Google searches now are happening on a phone. So the way that you have to optimize a mobile landing page versus a desktop and tablet landing page is different, right? And so, you know, the above the fold, right, where you land on mobile is is a lot less real estate than it is on a desktop version or a laptop version. So there's, again, there's a lot of moving parts, but, you know, I would say less is more. You have like what, like 0.6 seconds or 0.2 seconds or something when you land, when somebody lands on a website and it's usually subconscious, right? They're not, they, it's that first interaction, that first glimpse of the site. And you have to just convey that, that credibility, which is like having things above the fold, like whatever it is, social proof, accreditations, testimonials, they need to feel right away that, okay, this is obviously a credible firm. They, they seem to, you know, because people can bounce really quickly, right? They can leave a website or a landing page in a second, right? The back button's right there. So you have to capture their attention quickly. But I think just high level, yeah, you, you, you don't want to inundate them with content, right? You want to give them enough content that it shows them that, that the firm is, is reputable and that they can help them, but not overwhelm them with content to where, you know, they kind of have that, that cognitive overload to where they may just leave. Absolutely. That's a million takeaways there, you know, uh, in terms of optimization. And, you know, so I, I kind of want to transition over to something that's a little bit more, I guess, controversial. It's very prevalent in the PI space. So when you see individuals bidding on competitors' names, if you're an individual, if you're a personal injury law firm, what, if anything, can you do to prevent your competitors from bidding on your name? 
Great question. The short answer is if your firm name is trademarked and part of the trademark database, Google won't allow other competitors to, to bid on your name. But obviously, most, most PI firms don't have their names trademarked. So the, the real answer is, yeah, you know, because your firm name is a keyword, it does allow other competitors to bid on your name. Um, the reason that you see a lot of attorneys doing it, and usually what they're, you know, they're doing it with other, you know, personal injury firms in their market who maybe they invest a lot in TV and outdoor and, and things like that. And so you're sort of, uh, you know, piggybacking off of another firm's advertising and people that are, you know, going on Google searching for them. And I think with PI, whether it's the demographic of, of an average personal injury client or whatever the factors are, oftentimes, even if someone's seen, you know, a TV ad for, for years, by the time they get to Google, you know, they don't always know. Sometimes they're, you know, someone bids on someone's name and they click and they call. I mean, I've listened to phone calls where, where PI attorneys have signed up cases of people that Googled another firm and they end up calling and they don't even realize, I don't think that they're actually not calling that firm. And then sometimes, you know, they tell them, well, this isn't firm A, this is firm B. And then sometimes they'll hang up, you know, sometimes, oh, I'm trying to call this firm, but sometimes, it, you know, they start to build the rapport with the intake person and, and, it, and it can work. Obviously, the downside is it can upset people, right? It can cause, you know, other attorneys to say, well, why is this guy bidding on my name? I'm going to bid on his name and I'm going to maybe click on his ad or whatever it might be. So it, I, I do think part of it is a, it's a personal preference. Not every attorney is comfortable doing it. But it's one of those things where, especially with as, as competitive as general, you know, MVA, you know, motor vehicle accident related keywords can be, oftentimes bidding on competitor names can work, but it's got to be the right situation. And usually if you're going to test it, it makes sense to test it on a firm's name who really does a lot of other advertising to where they're branded enough in their local market that it makes sense to, to try it. You know? You, know, you know, I have a really funny story. Back in the day, I was working at an agency in St. Louis and we had, it was the Habish versus Canon case. So I was the pay-per-click specialist back in the day because that was one of the first um, cases where the individual was bidding on the other firm's name. And that kind of set the precedent for this whole strategy. And it was really interesting. At the time, I was scared out of my mind. I thought I was going to get sued and go bankrupt. But um, Anyways, that was really interesting, but I I wanted to bring up this tactic and I'm going to try to keep this confidential. The name may slip just because (laughs) I'm going to try to keep it as confidential as I can, but I saw an interesting strategy by a firm, one of the largest personal injury firms in the U.S. that said, that subject email said, alleged use of X, which was their firm name in Google ads. It came to our attention that firms are bidding on our name can you please add our name as a negative keyword? So it came across when I read the email, like they were essentially telling the individual that that they needed to stop bidding on their name, but they weren't actually indicating, they weren't directing it. It was kind of a way, alleged use. You know, it was indicated, brought to our attention, but it was a kind of a clever method to be proactive, to get other firms in your market to add their firm as a negative keyword. Can you kind of speak on this a bit? Yeah, I, I think in that case, especially if that firm, you know, if it's not a trademark name and there's other people out there bidding on it, I think, um, yeah, I've seen people call an email or send a cease and desist and stop, even though it's it's not, they're not technically breaking the rules if it's not a trademark. But um, that is interesting. Actually being proactive and asking them to to not just stop bidding on it, but to add their keyword as a negative just in case maybe, 
somehow a, 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 a similar term broad matches to that name, which maybe that firm, whoever it is, maybe they invest a lot into whatever it is, Google and, and PPC, SEO, TV, radio, billboards. Maybe they, yeah, maybe that's just, you know, something that they do to try and get people to stop, even though they technically can do it. But yeah, yeah I don't think I've ever heard of somebody actually actually suggesting to, to you know, negate their, their business name as a keyword, but it's an interesting thought. So I want to kind of get your opinion on this. Google recommends testing three ads at a time. But to me, that never made sense because every time I look at the data, there's like one ad that gets 10 impressions and I just quit showing it. I'm like, well, really, you didn't give that ad enough impressions to actually even get enough data to understand if it was something that could convert. So is this just another thing of Google trying to get you to spend your money versus doing the two ad setup or what's kind of your thought process on, on just the ad copy? So the amount that an attorney or any business pays per click on Google, it's dictated mainly by two things, your bid, obviously what you're willing to pay per click, and then your, your quality score. So Google has what they call a quality score for every keyword that you're managing in your in your AdWords campaigns has a quality score. It's a number out of 10. The higher your quality score is, the lower that you actually have to pay per click. What determines your quality score? There's several factors, but the main two would be your click-through rate, right? Google obviously wants to show ads in the top spots that they know are getting traffic and making Google money. And then the relevance of the ad and the landing page to that query. So Google made it official because it used to be where you could run one or two ads in, in an ad group and test it and it didn't have an impact on your quality score. Google says now that if you don't have three ads minimum in an ad group, that it'll actually dock your quality score. So it's become part of the quality score algorithm. So if an attorney you know, has an agency that's running their pay-per-click campaigns, definitely suggest that. But to your point, you brought up what I think is maybe an even more important point They'll start to serve the ad more that gets more traffic, right? They don't care about the conversions. They want to show the ad that they're seeing right. get more traffic. But the default setting in Google ads is to, the, the ad setting is to steer the budget towards higher performing ads. So the right thing to do, because of what you just said, if you don't set the ad to, to rotate indefinitely at the beginning where they do a straight split test or an ABC test with all the ads, then Google will automatically, even if it's, you know, a couple days in and it's a tiny sample size and they see that one ad got a few more clicks, they'll immediately start steering the budget there. And a lot of people make that mistake. They come out of the gates. Google says, hey, optimize your ads for the ones that get the most traffic and people, you know, try and, and do it that way. But you have to rotate them indefinitely to start to get a real sample size and to get statistical significance on what ads are really working better, not the ones that Google's just going to steer budget to right away. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And I just, I just kind of wanted to hear your opinion on that. And I didn't know that about the, uh, the three ads and the, how it affected the quality score. So I was kind of being stubborn wanting to do two, you know, 50% of the traffic goes to one, 50% of the traffic goes to the other. You got the winner. Okay. The winner stays and then you introduce a new challenger, almost like a restaurant does a burger challenge or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, the A-B test and now you got to ABC tested and you have to, uh, you know, adhere to the Google gods and, and play their game and do it the right way. And, but, you know, if you see, obviously, if, if out of those three ads, if one of them is, you know, the click-through rate and the conversion rate is lower, then obviously you want to swap that out with another one and try and right. continue to beat the performance of the other ads. But that's something that's that's maybe a year, year and a half old that is supposedly, you know, Google doesn't actually document 
the quality score, it's always a little bit ambiguous, but our reps have told us that's part of the algorithm now that you have to have three ads if you want to have the best chance of getting a, a good quality score at a lower cost per click. And I want to highlight just a couple of things. When you're saying your reps, you're saying your actual Google assigned reps to your agency. Our that agency helps. reps. Yep. Right. And that's yep. one thing that we need to highlight for our audiences because when you do manage a certain budget, you'll have a Google assigned rep that helps you optimize accounts and give advice and let you know about new products that affect the Google ads platform. So it's a big advantage that some individuals just don't have. So I wanted to highlight that. And then I wanted to just really briefly just kind of rapid fire on personal injury. What's just like the brief 80-20? What are some negative keywords they would want to start with? And let's let me pick up, let me help you out here. Let's say St. Louis, Missouri, PI. So from running PI campaigns for a long time, we have a a library, I call it of negatives. So we have hundreds and hundreds of negatives that are in there from different markets. Man, I mean pro bono is always one that comes to mind, even though with PI it's contingency based, so they're not paying, but, um, but, you know, we typically make pro bono negative insurance. You have to be careful with the word insurance. And so a lot of times you get people Googling about maybe their auto insurance or what it might be. And there's a lot of nuance there because we actually do bid on in some cases, insurance company names, right? The actual names, especially insurance companies that tend to have you know, bigger policies with other keyword modifiers, but, you know, oftentimes car insurance, things like that, you know, you, you want to usually make negative in, in certain ad groups. Um, man, I should, I should look at my list and, and maybe send over a few, but there's so many. And a lot of times, a lot of times it's competitors kind of per our conversation just now, you get a lot of people that, you know, if that's not part of their strategy, if a PI firm in St. Louis, if somebody Googles, you know, Brown and Krupp and personal injury lawyers, St. Louis, you may want to make Brown and Krupen negative if you're not Brown and Krupen and you're just trying to get people that are, you know, looking for attorneys. So competitor names, but man, there's a lot, but, but really every, because every market's different, that's what the search terms that, you know, that's part of optimizing a campaign is looking at the queries, looking at the search term data and adding negative keywords as they arise, as you start to see them. That's great. I just briefly wanted to touch on that because I think that's an important yeah. strategy to optimize a successful sure. personal injury campaign. So, you know, coming to a close here, Steve, we have a three for three segment. It's just a quick fire round, you know, so go with your gut. Uh, so I'm gonna ask you three quick questions. Okay. You know, which habit contributes to your success? I would say con consistently learning, right? Our industry changes so much. Like I, I'm constantly reading, watching podcasts, watching YouTube videos, subscribing to all the Google blogs, you know, you know, just kind of like you probably follow, you know, Matt Cutts and some of the SEO guys. I mean, a lot of it is really reading a lot and staying on top of, of trends and changes in the industry. So I think constantly learning, you know, trying to make ourselves better and always trying to, to remain that, that subject matter expert. I think I, I would say that's probably the habit that comes to mind. Wonderful. And uh, which entrepreneur do you admire the most? Am I, am I allowed to say you? Do you count? No, I'm, I do no, admire you. No, don't use me. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. Honestly, I mean, I, I look up to guys like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and, and people like that. But if I'm being honest, and again, it may sound you know cheesy, I would say my my dad and, and my grandfather, in fact, just Love because that. we had a family business and my grandfather started it, my dad, uh, you know, and his brothers ran it for 35, 40 years. They've always been an inspiration to me. They took an approach, and this was 40, 50 years ago. And so the name of the business was CWC. It was Closeouts with Class. 
So they used to go and they would go to the trade shows, right? The big ASD show in Vegas. And they would go to these shows and there'd be all these millions of people there in these booths. And my dad and my grandpa would show up in tuxedos. Um, they would wear tuxes just to be goofy and, and to, you know, but for them, it was always about integrity and class and treating uh, customers with the utmost respect. And they were, you know, they were very, I hope that's not too cheesy. But oh, I love, I love that. I love that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Love that. And then yeah. last question here, if you had to recommend one business book, which would it be and why? My first thought goes to the original uh, Perry Marshall Google Ads book, but that's probably, uh, I wouldn't call that a high level business book. That That's one I've read a bunch of times. It's a, you know, Google Ads specific book. Um, the 22 Immutable Immutable Laws of Marketing, that was a really good one that, that was an old school book, but I, I think still has a lot of, um, you know, a lot of applications today. God, I loved Elon Musk's book. I, I, I those, those are the few that come to mind. So many great tips from Steve today. Google Ads can be overwhelming for some people because it really is as individual as your firm and your goals. The best results come from using a data-driven approach, which means not just collecting information, but also the very difficult job of analyzing and attributing that data. There's always something more to learn, and I love speaking to experts like Steve who are so generous with sharing their knowledge. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Stryer. Huge thanks to Steve Ginsberg for all that actionable advice. And you can find more info, as always, in the show notes. And we want to hear from you. How's the new ABC testing working out for your ad campaigns? Drop us a review and let us know about your experiences. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.